Friends, this podcast is supported by Viator. With over 300,000 plus experiences across 2,500 destinations in a variety of categories, ranging from walking tours and cooking classes to multi-day excursions and helicopter tours, follow my link in the descriptions to get the perks and the discounts. Also supported by Maud, a modern intimacy, modern sexual wellness company built on quality, simplicity, and inclusivity. They're on a mission to make intimacy better for all of us people. Use my unique promo code AliciaE10 and get 10% off your purchases at the checkout. Also, never run out of clothes to wear. Use the link in my description for a discount on your membership for Rent the Runway. Support me in building the personal libraries for young readers in Houston. My link in the description will help you and lead you to donate for our book drive. Don't hesitate. See you there. Welcome back to the Vise by Alicia podcast, the lifestyle show that helps women 40 plus with lifestyle tips to enjoy their 40s to the max through education, conversations, and inspiring interviews. This podcast was designed to empower all of you 40 plus women to be the baddest of them all. I'm super excited to be here with you all today because I have a friend that I've been wanting to bring on for a while now just because, you know, she's got such a wealth of knowledge. And today I have the pleasure of introducing to you my friend, Delara Alban. It's a pleasure to be here, Alicia. Thank you for having me. Delara is a native Houstonian. She is a regional sales manager for the greater Houston area and San Antonio at Doma. Well, I'm actually the sales manager for Texas at Doma oh. now. Oh, really? Yeah, that's so from a while. So it's Houston, <laughs> I got a San Antonio Plus. Yes. Oh, my Texas gosh. Now, which is exciting. Um, I was looking up what Doma is because I went to their website and all it says is it's disrupting the century and dis- old industry using proprietary technology. It was just like a very like... Uh, <laughs> abstract way of saying they bring in like um, technology to closings, basically, yeah, right? Definitely. I mean, so we, we, we want to streamline does? everything for the for the transactional process, especially the title part. Oh, very cool. I want to talk more about that. You're a licensed realtor and investor for over ten years. You have firsthand knowledge of what it takes to go from contract to closing, and over twenty years of experience in sales and marketing. You've worked with realtors lenders, investors, developers, um, builders. Wow, you're amazing. And you bring a a unique perspective to the real estate community. Um, And that's why I wanted you here on the podcast, Delara, because that's one of the topics that keeps popping up. Every time I do something in networking, they always say, how do you get into real estate investments? I want to know more about it. But before we get to talk a little bit about that, you know, before we got going on that, um, we are like huge astrology oh, yeah. fans. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that was the first question I asked you was like, or no, you asked me like, what I was my birthday? Yeah. It was you. you. You were the one that said, when is your birthday? And I said, why are you asking me that? Because I kind of knew where you were heading. And I was just like, I just want to know. I said, July 29th. You're like, oh, my God, you're a Leo. Like you knew immediately. And I'm the same way. Like, I, I meet people, I'm like, what, what's your birthday? Like, that's how I met my husband. I asked him his birthday right at the beginning, before we even started dating, because I needed to make sure that he was a compatible sign. Well, it's good is, to know a friend. Is that something you do? Oh, 100%. <laughs> why is astrology so important? Like, why do you follow that? Like, what, what is it about it? I'll tell you my reasons, but I want to know yours. 
Well, I got interested in it when I was really young. Uh, we were in London. My uncle had an office and a library, and he had a book by Linda Goodman. Um, that it was, what was it called? Something with the stars. But it, it was, she kind of started the New Age movement. So that was the only interesting book in there. He's an engineer, so everything else was not interesting to me uh -huh. as a you know young child. So I got interested in it um, and interested in the idea of, like, understanding people's personalities. Mm -hmm. But I, there is credence to it. I mean, I've been interested in astrology since I was, like, seven years old, yeah. um, since I was really young. Um, and I have, like, a mental catalog of everybody I know. I, I remember almost everybody's sign. And wow. there are so many similarities and commonalities mm -hmm between signs. Now, of course, your chart will, you know, differentiate mm -hmm. things. It's like saying, like, if you're, you know, you're Persian or you're Latina, you know, we, yeah. we are warm, friendly personalities. Uh -huh. That's a general statement yeah. that you can make. But within that, there's differences. So those, uh, the details of your chart are going to be, you know, the, the spice of your personality. And I also really use astrology for the timing of things. So, uh -huh. You know, when Mercury's retrograde, everyone hears about it. Nobody knows what it means exactly. <laughs> but, you know, data, there's data issues. There's They just say when stuff goes crazy, yes. it's Mercury. So, like, if I can avoid signing a contract or doing something important during uh -huh. that period, I do. That time period is for, uh, you know, pre-gaming, right. basically. Yeah. It's still, it's still valuable. It is, but yeah. Yeah. No, I think I got interested when I was like maybe 17, 18 and just reading a few books on it. And I thought, wow, this is like super interesting. Um, and I kind of just continued learning on it and just getting more books on it and learning more about it. And just, you know, I even had a, a trip to India a few years ago and oh, I told wow. my husband, I said, I have to set up a astrology chart um, consultation with an Indian astrologer because um, where we were heading was like the astronomy astrology center. It's oh, wow. Jaipur. Mm -hmm. Um and oh my gosh, the astrologer just knew so much. And things that I had not even talked to him about, my guide actually found them because I told my guide, I said, I'm looking for somebody to do my chart. So he brought this guy and he knew so many details about me. Um, and then he also predicted a big business venture for us as a couple. And it was something that was percolating in the background for us. And he literally gave us the date when it was going to close. And it was the closing of his um, business, and he got it sold to some developers. But wow. at that time, at that point in time, the developers had only come and had, like, started conversations with us. And the astrologer said, there's a business opportunity, but it won't close in two more years. It's not going to happen soon. And we looked at each other like, what would this guy know? Like, what would you tell him? Well, because there are things in your, yeah. in your chart that say that. And, and Vedic astrology is really interesting because... You know, astrology as its practices in India yeah. is a little bit different than Western astrology, um, but it's the same concepts. You, you'll you have certain things in your chart that are indicative of, like, you know, most people who have this alignment, um, this planetary alignment, you know, tend right. to leave home young, tend mm -hmm. to. So it's very, very interesting. And you can get so micro detailed, which is why, like with dates, you can get exact dates because there's certain transits right. happening where, hey, this is a great day to, you know, around this time is a great time to start a new business or to not start a new business. Or you might meet someone and get in a relationship around this particular time, which it yeah. happened. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. Which is crazy because my astrologer told me. When I uh -huh. met, yeah, when I met my current partner, my astrologer told me about it. 
Oh, really? Yeah. So you have an astrologer that you consult? I have been going to him. His name is Kevin Casey, and I love him since I was Gosh, you've got to for give like me seventeen years. <laughs> seventeen years. Wow. So he he's very good, and he's very good at interpreting. It's not like a psychic. I mean, you really have to pull a chart. They use a, a program that. No, it's, it's a lot more complicated Absolutely. than it sounds, yeah, yeah. and I think a lot of people like disregard it because they say it's like, like voodoo science or whatever. But um, there's something to be said. That's why there is something to be said at the accuracy that they have sure. in like really figuring things out, and um, it's like it's just so interesting to me. And so I think the next episode we do together will be on astrology. Oh, I'm down, like James Brown. Let's, let's do an astrology party. And I'm then down. We'll just do a little bit of like a I'm so audio down. for it. I yeah. would love that. So the reason why I wanted you to come in today, Delara, was because, you know, sometimes um, we, we like, we're out there, we're talking to people, we're getting to know people. But one of the things that always pops up is, like, people always want to know, like, how do you get started in real estate, for example? Um, what, are your, what are you seeing right now as the trends for real estate in 2023? What do you see trending? Well, so there's a couple different aspects of that. The real estate trend in the market. And mm -hmm. then real estate as far as realtors go and investors go. Okay. So our real estate market has shifted considerably um, because of a rise in interest rates. Um, we also had, because of so much movement that we had coming to Texas and to Houston, we had kind of an artificial raise in prices because people were coming here with a chunk of cash. They sold a house in California for a million dollars, and that gets you a lot more house here. Right. So we had really high prices. Some of them, you know, were being sold at 75,000, 20% over list price. Asking, yeah. Uh, and lower interest rates. Now the interest rates have come up, but prices have come down. So what most people don't realize, and everyone's, you know, people like to freak out when they read, watch the news, and, yeah. you know, and of course we have sensational journalism that, it won't sell if it's not exciting, I suppose. Yeah. Or scandalous. Um, so now it's kind of balanced. I think with the lowering of the cost of housing and an increase in interest rates, the an average buyer's payments are going to be about the same. There may be $30 to $50 difference. Okay. So that's important for people to understand right now who are like, mm -hmm. oh, no. And we're, those low, low interest rates were anomalous. That's not... Normal in a market. Also, in Got Houston, it. we've had 11, 12 years of a really good market. Real estate in general has a seven-year cycle. Oh, so it was okay. bound to happen. And the market's correcting itself. Um, so I'm hoping more people see that. And, you know, everything calms down usually. And after the election, I'm sure things will. Of course, yeah. Is it a seller's market or is it a buyer's market right now? What do you see? It's, I would say it's probably, compared to last year, it's more of a buyer's market because sellers are not going to get what they could get last year. Um, and it's hard to say it's a buyer's market because interest rates are higher. Mm -hmm. I would still say, though, it's more of a buyer's market. Oh, okay. Would you say that the interest rates that we are at right now are probably the, the ones that are pretty normal for what they used to be? But because COVID brought them down so much that people just became so accustomed to seeing those interest rates for COVID as opposed to what they are now, which is more of a real, more realistic. Well, it's what kind do you of, think? It's a little hard to say because so I remember back in like 2011, 
2012, having pretty low interest rates as well. I had a client who got through a credit union, but a two and a half percent interest rate then. And then it fluctuated up to about four or so. Um, so in the last 10 years, that's kind of been the trend. There's been that fluctuation. Um, but if you go back 20 years, you know, in the 80s, I mean, I heard of people who paid 12 percent, 18 percent, 21 percent interest. Right. So this is not bad. This is not bad. I, I, I don't think it's it's hard to say what a norm is mm-hmm. because interest rates are so dependent on, you know, our economics here and global economics. Um, so it's hard to say it's normal, but it's definitely on the lower range. Okay. Uh, historically okay. of okay. what interest rates have been or could have could have been or could be. Yeah, and I hear realtors now are like suggesting that um, if you purchase now, then you can refinance in the future. If interest rate. rates get lower, mm-hmm. yes, you can. And there's plenty of lenders that are offering amazing products where, you know, you can refinance with them up to two or three times at no cost. And usually refinance costs a couple thousand dollars. Right. So everyone is working around the the situation to make real estate, make home buying accessible to more people is a good thing. I just got back from D.C. and we go every year uh-huh. uh, for the NAR conference. We have our real estate political action committee there. So, you know, we've made some really big uh, changes and, and, and progress legislatively to ensure private property ownership rights, keep the costs of, you know, homeowners insurance low. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's important work that we're doing. And because of that, when you look at the whole picture I still think we have a pretty balanced market, especially in Houston. Do you find that um, it is just much more difficult for 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 people of low socioeconomic needs to just figure out a way to make home purchasing a dream? Yes, absolutely. And what do you think is, is standing in the way? What can we do as people out here just to kind of make it, I don't know if we could make it easier or how can we encourage um, programs or do we vote or what? what do you suggest that we do in order to make that process a little bit more accessible? So number one is education. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that people of lower socioeconomic status tend not to have the, you know, balancing a checkbook, that's old school term, right? These things are not taught in school. They're not taught as part of everyday life, yeah. and they are. Um, I think people who grew up with generational wealth, mm-hmm. that, that kind of mindset and thinking is encultured in them. Right. Yes. You grew up, your your parents, your grandparents think a certain way and have a certain mindset. So when you're of lower socioeconomic status and you don't have as much money to play with and, you know, our our middle class is shrinking, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, the other side of that is I read a an article recently. Um, I don't recall where it was, but it said that. The average income in like 1980 was around 50 to 55 thousand dollars, and we're about the same right now. Ah, but a car. My dad told me bought a Ford Fiesta uh-huh. when he was in uni for uh-huh. three to five thousand dollars. How much is that now? Right. right. So mm-hmm. people are making the same money. Housing is exponentially increased. I mean, even the last 10 years here, yeah, it's increased. Sure. Uh, cars, but pay hasn't gone up. So there is a lot of challenge in getting out of that situation. But if you don't have generational wealth, the easiest way to do that is to start investing. That's how you're going to get out of that 
um, that gerbil, that hamster wheel. And let's talk about investing because I think that's one of those things that uh, always comes up in terms of like generational wealth and like talking about how do we um, how do we make our money work for us? And I think real estate is always one of the most um, sure ways, right? To kind of because of course you know you you buy and you hope for something to appreciate. And then you can sell it and make some profit off of that, right? So I think that's kind of the concept behind that. Um, but what I was reading, and this is why I wanted you here, was I, I've been reading that a lot of women, there's there's such a, there's the, the discrepancies between women investors and men investors is huge. I mean, there is, there is probably like a three to one, maybe five to one, you know, once I look at the numbers. Um, Young professional women that are looking to get out there, why do you think that is? What's happening? Well, I think a lot of it is, again, engendered and encultured in us as women. Um, we we could only vote just in the last 100 years. Right. Uh, until like 1952, a woman couldn't even have her own bank account in the state of Texas. Mm -hmm. So how easy or what, that seemed like a far away, unattainable thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that, in traditional households, now Gen X, Millennial, Zed, like it's a little bit different. Um, that's when we really, you had more single moms, pe women working, people working in the market. So as women, we are just now really getting into the economy, right? Just in the last less than 100 years, 70 years maybe uh -huh. or so. So that's part of it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it takes sometimes several generations for for something to click or kick in where it becomes, um, you know, part of your culture. Mm -hmm. The other caveat to that, or the other interesting thing is, um, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of single, the majority of single parents with custody are women. So they bear much more financial burden, you know, and we, we're, we've all heard about people right. who didn't, were not getting any kind of help from their the fathers of their children. Etc. So there's so more the of a burden financial. always falls on the woman, basically. It does. Yeah. I mean, it really does. I mean, child yeah. rearing, and also even if you're married, the majority of the child rearing married, falls yeah. on you. So you, most women, are the ones who tend to sacrifice their careers or be out of the market for a couple of years. That's all opportunity to make money that you could set aside to invest. Mm -hmm. So those opportunities are taken away, especially if you're, you know, parenting or married, because those expectations are not like they were in, you know, 1920. But those expectations are still there. I he I still hear right. People, I do too. Right, you hear men. Mm -hmm. There's this whole movement about men, like who want yeah. women. Who, yeah. You know. So yeah. <laughs> I'm not even gonna go there's there. There's a move. No, but there's you're a right. big anti like women movement, and they want like their wives to be at home and et cetera. Which if a woman wants that, that is fine. What is that guy Andrew Tate? Oh my oh God, my, he has created no. a movement of these people. Like it's just ridiculous. But like you know, but well, the you thing, see where it got him. Yeah. So. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. Where is it getting him? I have no idea He's where that guy is going. Is he still yes. in jail in Romania? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes. That's, that's sweet You know, justice. that name came <laughs> up with my boys, and I was like, uh, where are you boys going with this? And they, like, explained to me what was going on. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, I see what what's going on. I think but, most of the younger generation yeah. boys, men, they don't have that mindset. I mean, these are some people who are trying to hold on to something that no longer works. And women now more than ever. Yeah are okay not getting married, okay being single, whether they have children or not, okay even having children in alternative ways. Um, there, there is a recent study that said the happiest demographic of people mm -hmm. in our society are 
single women without kids. Yeah. The least happiest men were uh-huh. single men without kids. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting. So those those dynamics have a big impact on the ability to invest because you need capital to invest. Right. Fortunately, now we have other options where even if you don't have your own capital, there are ways to acquire that okay. to assist you in starting to invest in real estate. So I have a few friends that are interested in starting. They really want to get in the game. They want to know more. I mean, I'm in the game just because Rusk and I do it together. Um, and again, it goes back to that idea that like as a couple, we're able to do that. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Um, but we're also like an older couple now. We've Our kids are in high school. One is in college. Like we're at a point where we can like definitely like just let go of like um, of some money to invest, right? Mm-hmm. But how do women like who are younger and like looking to do some investments for themselves? I've always thought maybe go into a partnership with somebody. That makes sense to me because that way you don't have the full burden on yourself to come up with the money and the capital. But if you go in with a few people, maybe you can divide up a little bit of the workload and some of the responsibility of the money. There, there are, there are different ways to do that. I mean, I okay. definitely think with partnerships will help with capital. But you have to choose the right partners from experience. It's important to have the right business partners when you're doing something like that. How so, do we vet a good business partner, Delara? What would you um, say? What would be a good way to vet? I think a couple of standards. One, of course, their experience. But two, their ethics and morals. I think it's good to have, you know, if I were to, let's say I would invest with you. I would want to meet and have a very open conversation to get an idea of your morals or ethics and where you stand. Because, you know, right. a lot of times in partnerships, you're left vulnerable and things can happen um, where you can be taken advantage of. So experience is important. Mm-hmm. If Or a willingness to go to someone who's experienced. Let's say you and I have no experience, but we're willing, okay, we're going to put our capital together. Maybe I have like a couple thousand dollars. You have a couple thousand dollars. Together we have enough for a down payment on our first project, our first real estate project. Maybe neither of us has a lot of experience, but yeah. we make a decision together. We're going to go get that education, whether it's through, you know, seminars, and which I don't always recommend all of them either. A lot of them are, to me, scams. You know um, what? Yes. Yeah, they are. Everything has the potential to be a scam. That's especially oh here. So I found glad, it in America. So we have a lot said of that. that because I even like joined one that was supposed to be like free, quote unquote free. It was such a scam because they don't give you any information. All they want to do is sell you on their next coaching program. Yeah. They don't even give you any, like, good nuggets that are, like, good and interesting. No, they're just trying to sell you onto their big coaching program. And most of those people are not really investors themselves. They've learned how to do enough. They're making money off of you. Yeah. And I actually had someone who closed up my title office. He was an investor. And he's like, Delarif, you give me 10000 Now, this is a guy who didn't have anything to his name, was not very successful. But if I gave him $10,000, he could teach me how to do real estate. I'm a licensed realtor. I'm running my title office. and my plus, title. Yeah, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. so, and he clearly had awareness of that, but it didn't stop him from thinking he was entitled to $10,000 Based By the on way, women are very quick to jump into those opportunities because they, they don't are. think they have the background or the right information already to be able to do it. And they have to pay somebody and usually a man yep. to teach them how to do something they've already known probably how to do. They didn't even need any of that. They didn't have to pay. 
They just had to tap into what they already have. I mean, the, in uh, their background. Well, and and that's very true. And I think, you know, as women, we are a lot of times, depending on our families, traditionally have been raised to be yeah. a little more timid and and we doubt ourselves more, right? I mean, we're definitely more self-critical. That has a lot to do with you know society Absolutely. and all that. Um, however. I would recommend anyone who doesn't have experience, go talk to other professionals in the business. Not a coach, not a program. And if it's a program, make sure it's vetted. Ask other real estate professionals, people in lending, realtors, good title who are like, they're like, okay, this person Mm -hmm. is legit. They have a really good program. Like I actually know of someone who has an investment like school. She's legit. Um, But you can get all that information by talking to a professional. I would recommend, if you really want to do something like that, partner with a realtor. Mm-hmm. That's what they do. And most realtors don't invest like they should either. So you'd be helping each other Why out. are they not investors? That's always kind of like like a, a question for me. If you already in there, you know where the houses are, you know where the market is going, I would say, why don't you go in and just become an investor yourself as well? If you're, if you're a full-time realtor and mm-hmm. you're successful, it's extremely time-consuming. I mean, it's a 24-7 job. So I think for some people, it's time constraint. Um, for other people, they're like, oh, I can just, you know, do what I'm doing and, and make good money. Um, it's also intimidating if you are, depending on what kind of investment you're doing. Mm-hmm. A flip can be intimidating if you've never done it, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, especially for women. Because traditionally, I mean, I was fortunate. My dad made me do everything. Yeah, my which dad is good. was the same way with me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm not afraid of trying to fix no, things. No, he but... always made me do everything that anybody could do. Like we were like laying tile and we were like putting yeah, shingles so... on roofs. And like my dad just brought me along, and I it was no this, there was no difference between like a boy and a girl can do this. My daughters can do everything. And that I was, was raised that the was same way, which is probably why I mean we, we're very similar in so many ways because of yeah. that. Yeah. But n- unfortunately, not all women mm-hmm. have that, you know, in, in their families. Um, and so I think because of that, yeah, you know, they are more susceptible to scams. Um, but there's plenty of men who've fallen for it too. Mm-hmm. So I, my recommendation is before going and giving away ten grand to someone or signing off your first child <laughs> to whoever, yeah, uh-huh. go to find a friend <laughs> who's a realtor. Everybody knows a realtor. Yeah, find a friend who's a realtor and partner with a realtor. Hey, can we partner on a project? You help me out. I'll do the legwork. That way you learn. The, you know, the, the realtor can help you out. But if there's time constraints, you know, you're doing that stuff. They're sharing their knowledge. Um, and, you know, you're equally putting in financially into it.